0: Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of Einblick Consulting, Christian Klepp. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'm excited to welcome a guest into the show who is not only a successful entrepreneur, but he himself is someone who has been on a mission for many, many years. And that mission is to help businesses to optimize their tech stacks and to get the technology to talk to each other. So coming to us from sunny Orlando, Florida, Mr. Damagaugh, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. It was really great to be connected, um, Dan. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So let's just uh let's just get rolling. Yeah. All right. So, Dan, you you know, we've had this discussion before. You've built up a, a successful business around helping companies to convert more customers with integrated marketing technology and clean analytics. So um, for the sake of the audience, please talk to us about the importance of well, getting a companies tech to talk to each other. Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, I I think the biggest
1: problem that we have like at at most companies is we have all this different data about our customers, which is siloed in all these different tools. And a big problem with that is if you really want to be able to like have a good personalization or good automation experience for that customer. You need to be able to basically integrate all these tools together so that way they can talk really, really well, because that's going to enable you to do better marketing activities. Right. So you really want to be able to build a marketing tech stack, which is well integrated together so that data can pass around freely and then be used. For whatever you want to do, Uh, so really one of the most critical things that we work with companies on is building their martech stack, their
0: tech stack in general, but making sure that that data can flow freely through all their tools. I I, I guess one question that probably always comes up, uh, I I guess, I suppose, in your line of work, Dan, is like, uh, why do you think uh, you know a lot of companies, um, you know, they just keep adding on to that tech stack and they just keep getting like all this new technology rather than um, you know, um, I would say probably using. Uh, less technology and being more effective. I, I, I'm not sure if that's the right um, the right way to describe it, but any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally true. You know, marketing for most marketers is not about being effective, right? So I wish it was, but most marketers are more in this for the shiny objects. Uh, and so are a lot of business leaders. I hate to say it, but most companies, uh, really focus on shiny objects compared to focusing on what is most effective uh, at the end of the day. We do things because it makes our egos feel good. So that's a really, really easy scapegoat there. Um, and a lot of people get caught up in the hype of this new tool is going to provide these new KPI increases. And they kind of over-believe the salespeople, over-believe kind of the marketing of that tool. Um, and they never really put that tool into place. And instead of solving the problem of getting more value out of a tool, they go buy another tool and drink the Kool-Aid again to try to solve their problems. So a lot of it has to do with, there's this new shiny thing that's gonna do this thing. And then there's this new shiny thing that's gonna do this thing. And because at the end of the day, they never remember they have a subscription for that other thing, uh, they wind up with a bunch of tools. I mean, it's it's pretty bad, um, but it's usually it has more to do with the fact there's something shiny. It's gonna help me reach my goals, but it never does. So I'm gonna move on. Um, and a lot of these tools just never get used. It's, it's quite surprising to us the amount of uh, adoption that doesn't get had at these companies for these tools.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely an interesting point. And um, I, I, I know that you, it's probably like hard to like, uh, give an exact figure, but what would you say is a ballpark in terms of like how much money companies spend a year on tools that they may or may not be using at all?
1: Yeah, it's definitely hard to give you a ballpark, especially because every company is so different, right? But uh, a lot of companies, I mean, a lot of companies are spending anywhere between $5,000 and $50,000 on their marketing technology subscriptions alone. Um, So definitely a a wide swath there, right? So, but I would probably estimate around 20% of all the marketing budget, which is going towards technologies and tools, 20% of that is not even being used. Um, And I can even speak for myself, like right out of the gate, like Hotjar, I haven't used the tool in five months. We still have it, it's still sitting there, we're still paying a license for it, but nobody's using it, right? So um, there's definitely services out there that help you do like turn those things on and off and maximize At the end of the day, like $89 a month isn't gonna kill me. Uh, obviously it matters a lot to Hotjar as well, but um, yeah, a lot of it just really comes down to about 20% of your marketing tech spend is just the tools not being effectively used or adopted. And for most tools that you even own, and I'll, I'll use Marketo as an example, most people are only using 30% of the feature sets. Um, so, Marketo does all kinds of stuff. Only 30% of its features are ever used by one individual customer, right? And if you go to another customer, it's a totally different 30%. Like people, obviously, all are using email, but there's a lot of other things
0: that Marketo does that people just never even take advantage of. So, so you drop two figures, and they're 20 and 30%, which, which sounds to me like a pretty substantial. I mean, like you know, if you're if you're investing that much and it's not being used, I, I mean, that's that's money that could be used uh, elsewhere, or utilized elsewhere in in the overall company's budget, right? So. Yeah,
1: well, I would definitely say, but at the same time, right, I think that's mm-hmm. part of the problem, right? And I'll just use my, Mar- I'll pick on Marketo a little bit here. Marketo yeah. has a landing page builder built into the product that's integrated with everything mm-hmm. compared to Instapage or any of these other sites. It sucks, right? Like it just does not allow you to build landing pages quickly and do this stuff. So Marketo, right? Landing pages are kind of just part of it. So like, while I say people are only using 30% of a platform like Marketo, well, what else are you going to do, right? You need to use a best of breed tool for your landing pages. So you're not going to use that big chunk of that, that product. And that happens with a lot of different tools, right? Like in our organization, when we pay for Salesforce, it has a ton of reporting into it. Well, we don't, use a lot of the Salesforce reporting, even though it's a big component of it. We don't use custom objects. We don't use all these things. We use Salesforce for a very specific part of that because that's what it's best in breeding. in. While when we think about using reporting, we're using a lot of other things for reporting, whether that be full circle insights, whether that's insight squared, whether that's sending that data to a BI tool. So in a lot of cases, like you're never going to use all the feature sets of these tools um, just because there's not a real need to it, but you're using it for what it's best at. And that's probably what is most important
0: to be focused on. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, there, you know, you've been talking about some of this stuff already in the past couple of minutes. But uh, just uh, run us through some of the, uh, I would say, the most common mistakes or misconceptions that people have uh, when it comes to Martech stacks, and uh, like your advice to them. Like, what would you recommend they do to address these?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the most common thing that we see people mess up with and the common mistakes that we see when it comes down to a, a tech stack in general is the data taxonomy that connects all these tools together. People tend to not worry about that until a very, very late stage. But at the end of the day, you need to have a unified taxonomy between all of your tools, your analytics, your marketing automation, your CRM, all of these tools should have the same taxonomy of communicating with each other. So first name is first name compared to one is spelled differently than the other one. Um, So the taxonomy is like the most foundational issue we see that happens across all of these companies. When you throw a customer data platform on top of that, right? this taxonomy is like 10 times more important, but taxonomy is the number one problem we see everywhere. I mean, I would have to say 75% of the deal flow we have the foundational issue that they have is taxonomy is screwed up. Integration is then screwed up, and then there's not enough experience to actually do either of those two things and roll them out successfully. And that's really what we come in to solve is the taxonomy. So I, I would say the taxonomy is the biggest crux um, that
0: we see uh, across all the stacks that we work on. Yeah, that was a that that was a really interesting point, which I think was the was um is probably the perfect segue into my next question because the next yeah. question is basically focusing on um you know uh let's 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 talk about like something uh like one of the biggest challenges or problems that you and your team um have managed to solve for a client in the uh in the past 12 months and and you don't have to tell us the name of the company it's fine just just uh just a little bit about you know a bit of background of what the challenge was and how you you and your team managed to solve it
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I can point, uh, I mean, there's a lot of challenges that we've solved over the last 12 months. There's probably more challenges (laughs) that I'm just not uh, involved with, Um, but I can speak to a project that I'm currently working on, or I should say somewhat wrapping up. So Mm -hmm. we had a customer who was leveraging uh, Segment as their customer data platform. So piping all their data into Segment and then letting Segment distribute that data to other tools. The problem was, is that they needed to do marketing attribution. What was our first touch? What was our last touch before they converted? Things like that. Because they had some tools set up through Segment and many of their other tools set up through native integration, so like Google Analytics was just installed on the site, all of these tools had slightly different data in them. So that was a huge kind of touching point where we need to kind of integrate that stuff. But the hard part was trying to figure out what was going to be the best solution for this customer when it came down to how would they report on their attribution, first touch and last touch because they're a SaaS business, right? And they have a sales process as well. A lot of these last touches are offline. A lot of the processes that are happening are an invoice sent through Chargebee. So we really had to design a stack that would enable them to be able to track their online attribution, as well as that offline attribution and give them the best analytics reporting. Um, Very luckily, this client already had Mixpanel in place um, and Mixpanel's cohorting feature was able to basically allow us to create channels to look at users that came through these. So we had a first touch channel, a last touch channel, we were able to use the Mixpanel cohorting to do that. The the process at figuring out what was the right tool, what was the right data taxonomy, how would we store that data? How would we store the data in the cookie? How would the cookie be fetched from the server? There was a lot of really complicated kind of technical issues in there. But the one thing I can say is that the the end solution, which was how do we report on first touch and last touch using Mixpanel, was able to be accomplished. Um, But the trouble was like, how do we technically integrate this? So leveraging hard code on the site, leveraging mixed panels, super properties. How do we track all that information and store that data successfully? Once again, it's a taxonomy issue and an integration issue. Uh, We were able to, uh, in essence, give them first touch, last touch, be able to get like a ton of granular data around that. But it was all around marketing attribution. I mean, it was a five month project to just solve first touch and last touch in a very, very accurate way. Because I will tell you this, for anybody out there who's using first touch and last touch in Google Analytics, right? Your model is pretty simple, right? You probably don't have a bunch of salespeople, right? And you're probably only tracking to like lead generation, not to the actual subscription. Um, to connect all those pieces, I and mean, it takes a lot of thought, it takes a lot of time.
0: and But when you get it done, you have really, really accurate data. Now, that's a really great example, which um, made me think of another question, which I'm pretty sure you get all the time. It's, um, you know, you know when you're trying to like uh, work uh, together with the client to get their technology to talk to each other, you're probably going to run into problems like, um, I guess, uh, system compatibility, um, software being out of date, or like maybe they need to, uh, uh, you know, upgrade it to a newer version. I mean, there's there's so many. At least just listening to what you've been saying in the past couple of minutes, there's so many moving parts in this ecosystem, right? So oh, for sure, how do you how, how do you and your team deal with that? Like, I mean, I, you, you certainly must have a system or a process in place to to help streamline that, align that out a little bit, right? Yeah.
1: So well, I mean, there's definitely a process. I mean, when we first start working with a the client, there's almost always a diagnostics upfront. That diagnosis gives us access to all the tools. We go research all those things and then we basically turn over every stone that we can and then write a strategy on what we would recommend. Um, we also have a proprietary tool. So if you went to Maga.io, there's a WYSIWYG, it's called what you see is what you get, stack builder on our website. If you go to that and you just put in your domain, it will automatically tell you every single code you have on your website, all the tools, and then enable you to build a diagram. So the first thing you have to do is build a diagram of all the tools that you have in your stack. And then of course, like where does the data flow? Does it go down? Does it bilateral communication? Is it only one way? Um, and if you use that stack builder, which is, I mean, it's free on our website, just check it out. It enables you to understand how is the data flowing between all that stuff, and then what you have to do after that is figure out like, hey, do we need to change to a different tool to enable an objective? And that's what we're always most focused on is what is the key result, what is the objective we're trying to accomplish? And I think most companies do it the opposite. A sales rep contacts them and say, you can do X, and then that becomes their focus. Really, you're focusing what is my business objective and how is that going to help me get there? Um, so what we do is we focus on those business objectives and then we start swapping out tools, whether we need them or not, uh, based upon those things. But you also have to understand, swapping out a tool can take a lot of time. Um, I mean, we just did an uh, implementation where we were putting in segment, adding in HubSpot, adding in a few other things. It was a nine-month project. Uh, I mean, it cost the company six figures to to get this done. So like these are big, hairy, expensive things. And don't go wrong, there's, there's cheap stuff all the time. We did like a $20,000 implementation uh, for over a two-month period, but there's a lot of moving pieces in that. And that goes back to, you've got to start with what is the data taxonomy um, of this tool? How's it going to work with this other tool? And then how's it going to integrate? And that really is the deciding factor on most tools for us is how is it going to integrate, right? Um, and how do we roll those out? Because it, ripping out a marketing automation tool that's a lot of work, uh, there's a lot of dependencies. So, but um, it always starts with that stack diagram and then figuring out where's the weak point that's preventing us from reaching our objectives. And then we'll swap out those things. And we tend to choose tools based upon their ability to integrate. And if, if you read my book, Build Cool Shit, right? The whole premise of the book is picking tools that are gonna work together as an ecosystem in essence that are gonna constantly recycle your
0: data through them so you can create amazing marketing outcomes. You laid that out so beautifully, man. It made me think of, like, um, <laughs> there, there's probably a lot of, like, comparisons, but something like CSI, right, where they uh, where, where they conduct an autopsy and they try to, like, solve the case by putting all these, like, missing pieces together. And it kind of sounds a little bit like that.
1: And it's funny that you say that. Uh, we always joke about where are the dead bodies hidden uh, when <laughs> yeah. we get into a stack because there's always dead bodies. Uh, okay. There's always something that you're just like, why is this? What happened? Yeah. Uh, and then we have to forensically figure out what's going on, and then mm. figure out how to un un mess it up. So um, yeah.
0: that's that's totally our process. Exactly. Um, Dan, I'm gonna get um, you know. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I'll drop I'll drop a couple of figures in here, but like there's an article that was written by Intercom.com, right? Yeah. And this is something that we all already know. You probably have already known it for a long time, but the Martech industry as a as a whole, right? Is estimated to be worth something like um, probably like 121 um, billion dollars. Sorry, billion, billion. billion. Yeah. (laughs) So again, so short of stating the obvious, that's a huge space that's only projected to get bigger, right? And so this article also talks about this report that was put together by Forrester, and it points out three key factors for this, uh, you know, for this growth, right? So one is, to nobody's surprise digitization is driving investment. (laughs) I mean, clearly. Uh, Number two, um, to your earlier point, marketers are overwhelmed by the number of options out there and they still are and they will continue to be, right? Number three, segments are starting to mature, which can be a good or a bad thing, right? Mm. So here's the question. So going back to some of the things that you've been talking about in the past couple of minutes, if there are marketers and there's B2B companies out there that are you know taking a step back and having a look at their tech stack and trying to figure out okay what's the best what's the best route forward um what, what advice would you give them i mean choose tools based upon accomplishing your objectives and
1: find the weak points in the chain right so um naturally when you're choosing tools or choosing technologies right that's got to be mapped to an exact uh, objective and an outcome and you've you've got to really use that tool to accomplish it i mean the marketing Tech budget has exploded at companies over the past five years, especially after COVID. Right? I mean, um, you've seen everything is now digital. So, um, but the biggest things is like, is the tool actually going to help you accomplish your objective? And I think that's a a thing that we see a lot of people get distracted with. Is they get caught up in the sales cycle or they get caught up in the hype, and they buy tools or overbuy tools. Um, I'm really big on proof of concepts, right? Like, let's test this out on the lowest tier, try it out. Even we own, another co- we own a SaaS company called utm.io. It's all about data governance for your campaign links and like helping that stuff out. We always advise our clients like, hey, let's get started on the startup plan, right? Let's get started on the premium plan. I don't want you to buy enterprise yet. I want you to get used to it, take your time because that's how you build good, build good customers. Um, and a lot of companies just jump in and buy the five-year contract with all the bells and whistles and they never use any of it and then five years later they're like i wish i would have never bought that um so really align the tool with your objectives and your key results i hate to keep beating that home um but, but so i true. see yeah. a lot of bloat in these companies like lots yeah. we're talking five figure monthly subscription bloat <laughs> and we're just like why do you have this tool and they're like well we thought i would do this and it's like well, just. This- do why are you even trying to do that? Well, we thought it'd be cool. It's like, well, who thought it would, Well, the sales rep told us. And it was like, well, why would you ever buy that? So mm-hmm. it happens a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, sounds like it. Sounds like it. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. I promise you, my man, we are not going to talk about COVID. We're not going to talk about the pandemic, but you alluded to it earlier. Um, there's been I a love lot of- COVID, so I'm <laughs> fine with it. Yeah. Uh, we well, were
1: prepared for it, so.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean... What, what I want to say is that, you know, clearly things have changed as a result of this pandemic, but you know, what have you seen in your area of expertise in, in that particular landscape that has changed as a result of the pandemic? I mean, volume by far,
1: uh, mm-hmm. volume. I mean, immediately, I mean, in the first two months of COVID, I mean, we knew COVID was coming uh, r- around the end of December. So uh, we were made it, we were in the loop that like something was going on in Wuhan. They started shutting stuff down, and we we found out about some of the stuff around the end of December. And in January we had a lot of prep. In February we had a lot of planning, and then in March when it really blew up, we were actually already executing. So we were very very ahead of COVID, which was great. I think for the first two months of COVID, everybody kind of had this hurry up and pause right, and which was very very stereotypical. But then it became very clear if I want to be able to reach a consumer, if I want to be able to reach anybody, the only channel I have is digital. Um, I have no. No other means. I mean, don't get me wrong. You have TV, but I, at this point in in my career, I consider TV to be digital because when you think about OTT, right, over the top. When you think about Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, all of those things—they're through the TV, but all of those things are run through digital systems now. Um, the fact that you can do uh, with Hulu soon—you'll be able to self serve. You'll be able to buy an ad on Hulu, show it in between an episode, all through a self serve platform, right? Like so, to me. TV is now becoming a digital medium for sure. So once COVID kind of settled down, you got into really the latter part of March, really when you got into May, everybody was like, how do I spend more money on digital? So I mean, the volume has just been uh, exponential in regards to the actions people are trying to do um, with COVID. And, And everybody probably saw this. For the first six months after COVID, everybody was running five webinars a week. Right, like everybody was doing a webinar, and then six months, maybe nine months later, you started seeing that taper off because there was webinar fatigue, um, and now you'll see podcasts are huge again. Right, like so, it's just really, really fascinating to see this evolution. But the easiest way that I would say it is just the volume of digital of everybody becoming digital has really, really increased. I mean, uh, we'll use um, Kings Hawaiian, which is the the bread manufacturer that a lot of people know in the United States. I don't think you guys have Kings Hawaiian in the uh, Canada. Um, really, really popular, well-known bread manufacturer. They're sold at like every mm-hmm. grocery store ever. Okay. They're digital, right? Oh, they hired right. us to help them bring them digital. Um, mm-hmm. Who would have ever thunk that like a bread company would be forcing themselves digital? Yeah. Um, but that's that's why I say we're just the volume. Now everybody has to be digital
0: um, is key, so- yeah, no, those are those are definitely great observations. And you know, chances are, um, e- you know, even if we revert to some kind of degree of normalcy again, um, a lot of these companies are still gonna stay remote. They're still yeah. gonna have all their assets uh, you know, like uh, be in a digital format, e- everything's gonna be on the cloud, as they say, and so forth. And they're still gonna have a tech stack that needs to be integrated where people need a, you know, need the technology to talk to each other. So for as long as That persists. I mean, you're going to continue to be in business, right? So. No, I mean, we cho-
1: I mean, we're the only company that specializes in building tech stacks, right? There is no other agency that their only focus, I mean, is tech stacks, right? So don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. We have analytics and things like that. But sure. I mean, I wrote the book on how to build a MarTech stack. So yeah. I have the only online course for how to build a MarTech stack. So there's obviously a lot of tangential things around that. Yes. Um, but when you're trying to design the architecture of 17 or 35 different tools, and you're really re- maintaining the infrastructure that holds this hodgepodge of tools together, um, there's a huge, huge, huge opportunity there. And that's the reason why we chose this about four years ago, that this was going to be our focus. Um, And it's only going to get worse. There's just more and more tools. I mean, you talked about the $131 billion uh, amount for MarTech. Well, now sales tech is coming along, product tech is getting even hotter. Um, at the end of the day, they're all tools. Um, and that's where we're really focused on is what what is gonna be your revenue infrastructure. All of these tools help you generate revenue, but if you don't have your infrastructure in check, uh, you really run into a, a problem. And I, and I highly recommend people to check out uh, a copy of my book because it talks about like, what is the modern stack compared to what is the traditional stack? Um, and the modern stack, you can't, you can't, if your competitor has a modern stack and you have a traditional stack, they're
0: going to kick your ass in a few years. So like, you really got to modernize to be able to keep up. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Oh, it's, 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 it's 121 billion, by the way. 121, <laughs> yeah. 100, 121 billion. Right. Um, What's the status quo in your area of expertise that you passionately disagree with and why? I mean, my the status quo that I can't stand is
1: the fact that all you need is Marketo and Salesforce to get your job done. Marketo, Salesforce, Google Analytics, like that is the most basic, I'm not even going to say the word, but like the most basic stack you can have. And most companies, that's like it. They've got like a Pardot instance, Salesforce, and Google Analytics, and they call it a day. Um, that's not okay anymore. You've got to have much more power than just that uh, to effectively run the business um, and to automate things. Um, it's a, it blows us away. Like we meet a lot of these really, really uh, modern companies. Don't get me wrong. Even like startups, and we're like, listen, just if you just slapped in Zapier, you could automate like sixty hours a week off of labor, and that's a lot of times. So why don't you set up Zapier? So. Um, I just think the status quo
0: of most people not integrating, not automating, uh, is just a little frustrating. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I mean, like, you know, again, this is one of these questions where the the answer is probably it depends. But what would you say would be uh, the standard time for companies to, like, review what they've got in their, you know, in their toolbox, so to speak, every six months, every 12 months or... Yeah, I would definitely say you should be looking at, well, one, you should be looking at your tool
1: budget on a monthly basis, if not a quarterly basis. So right. um, I just had two finance, I had a finance meeting last week for one of my companies and a finance meeting this this week, and mm-hmm. I was just looking at expenditures for tools from the previous month. So we're, we look at the the cost on a monthly basis. When you're really thinking about evaluating the tools, right, I would be looking at that on a quarterly or uh, biannual, or excuse me, would that be semi-annual? Every six months. Uh, So every six months would be about the time you do that. And usually what happens is it happens at a very certain time of year. And I think people make a lot of mistakes here. Every single year, our business and everybody else in my space, once we hit September, it starts to get crazy. By the time we're in December, it's nuts. And there's two reasons for that. One, all of the vendors have to hit their end of year target, so everybody's powering away. But on the flip side, everybody's doing their next year planning. So they're like, oh, I didn't hit my metrics. I got to go buy this new tool. I got all this new budget next year. So there's a lot of tool buying that happens in Q4. The problem with that is, one, I mean, don't go me wrong, you can get some good deals because everybody's trying to hit their goals. The problem is, is everybody's slammed and weeded and nobody can give you really good attention. So we tend to try to get companies when they really start to do their evaluations, you should be really looking at your evaluations or your tools in Q2, trying to do some of your uh, figuring things out in that Q2 period, buying the tools by the end of Q3 and kind of getting away from that end of year rush. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, but uh, that keeps you out of the the standard cycle, but uh, every six months for sure, annually for sure. But I'm looking at it on the PL on a monthly basis, right? So we spend, I mean, our company, who's only 20 people, if we paid for all of our tools, luckily we don't pay for them, our costs would probably be about $8,000 a month, um, even without. All of the things that we get for free and things we probably wouldn't use, we'd still be spending probably about two to $3,000 a month yeah. just on tools. Which is significant. That's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, what? Right now that, I mean, don't be me wrong, it's 1.5% of my revenue. So, mm-hmm. like, it's not the end yeah. of the world. But at the same time, like, if I could shave five points off, I'm I'm making more money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because otherwise you get, you know, like you like you said um, a couple of minutes ago, like you get tempted to like get all these tools and then it burns this massive hole in your budget, right? So. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it burns a massive, massive hole.
1: And I mean, uh, depending upon what you want to do with your business, if you want to grow, you do have to spend money, but
0: um, yeah, don't waste sure. it. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you've given plenty of great advice already, but um, one more for the road I would say is, you um, What is one thing that you think everybody should start and one thing that you think everyone should stop doing when it comes to B2B Martech? The biggest thing,
1: data hygiene, right? Like the number one thing. So the the big thing that's come up over the past five years, right? Everybody's like, oh, machine learning, artificial intelligence. I'm so excited and all these things. And, you know, one of the biggest failures of all of those technologies is crap data. You can't use artificial intelligence if your data sucks. You can't use machine learning if you don't have good data. So if there's one thing I want anybody to start doing. It's start working on your data hygiene. I mean, and you'll see a huge proliferation of this over the next couple of years. Um, data governance is becoming a huge sector in the marketing technology space. We created oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. UTM.io. I mean, we created the product five years ago. We rebranded maybe three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. The whole point of the product is to get more data governance on our UTM tracking codes. So that way downstream, our analysts can actually see what's going on. And Mm -hmm. with that accurate data, we can now use machine learning and artificial intelligence to optimize our campaigns, which is totally great. So data governance is by far one of the biggest things that we try to push our customers and uh, constituents to really take serious because if you get that more accurate data, as we get better with artificial intelligence in the next two years, you don't need a. I mean, I. You don't need a human to be magical anymore. You just connect it to GP three and you go to go forward. I think it's GP
0: three. I think that's the one that Elon Musk has. And, and one and one thing people should stop probably like buying tools that they don't need. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would. I would
1: definitely say uh, stop buying the tools that you don't need. Um, but the, the biggest thing that I would tell people to stop stop falling for the hype. At the end of the day, um, these sales vendors and marketers are really talented, uh, and they know how to get you to buy into something, and they know how to leverage alignment and manipulation and all these things to get you to buy stuff. People need to stop falling for the hype, and they need to start being a little bit more prudent. Um, in regards to the things that they're buying, but as well as why am I making this decision? Uh, and that's the biggest thing that we see is people just get sucked into the hype, and then they end up spending twenty thousand dollars a year more, two hundred thousand dollars a year more uh, on things they don't need just because they fall into that hype cycle. Um, and you know, I've done it myself, uh, so I can't. I can't. But that's the biggest thing. I wish people stop doing. Stop believing the hype. Um, stop. Also, stop trying to be an innovator if there's anything that has made me a millionaire, right? Mm-hmm. It was the fact that I wasn't the first one signing up for this new thing or the first one doing it. I waited for 40 to 50, if not 4,000 to 5,000 other people to go test something out and do it. And then I went and did something uh, with a technology because it was already tried and true. I didn't have any risk. I just reduced my risk. So it's not, it doesn't pay to be innovative. Um, it pays to solve obvious problems, uh, but it doesn't pay to be
0: on the bleeding edge. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because, you know, you can have this pioneering spirit, but just don't be the pioneer. Right? So. <laughs> Let somebody else go
1: fail for you. I mean, that's what we do all the time. Let somebody else go. Um, and it- I think the easiest one is I had a ton of people who are I'm Mm -hmm. friends with who went and started using Webflow years ago, Mm -hmm. and they ran into issue after issue after issue, and they would have to pay this expensive consultant to come in and fix the problems, and then they had all these limitations that held them back from making more money. And I was like, I'm not touching it. I'm sticking to WordPress. I can I can go on Upwork and hire plenty of WordPress people. I have all these things. Like, well, yeah, but you can't do this one thing. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, it makes me money and it's cheap and it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Now Webflow many years later, is just catching up to what I'm able to do, and I'm going to give it a consideration. But all the people that jumped on the party early actually spent way more money than I did and made less money because they were held back. So yeah. it doesn't always pay to be the, um, the hipster at the front of the line. I mean, maybe if you're going to
0: go see a concert, but um, yeah, even then, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dan, I mean, this has been a super informative, um, super thought-provoking session. Um, you know, do us the Thanks. honor of um, giving us a little uh, introduction to yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a pleasure to be here. I hope everybody gets an opportunity to get a free copy of my book. If you go to magal.io, you can get a free copy directly on the homepage, so check that out. Uh, and please go check out utm.io if you want to get better campaign tracking.
0: Awesome. And it's, and it's called Build Cool Shit, right?
1: Build cool shit. Yeah, the book is Build Cool Shit. It's a real book, right? People always think Mm -hmm. it's going to be like an ebook, but no, it's a real color book. Uh, It's even got diagrams inside that show you how to do things you need to do, Um, but it's your blueprint to creating the best MarTech stack. And you know, do you, uh, are you cool if we play a fun game with this, actually? Because we have a text yeah. bot, which will show people some cool Martech. So sure. what I want you to do for your listeners and even yourself is if you pull out your cell phone, right, and mm-hmm. then you go to your text messages, what I want yeah. you to do is you're going to text uh, a word to this number. So mm-hmm. the number is 415-915-9011. Yep. I'll say that one more time, 415 915 9011. If you text text the word MarTech, M-A-R-T-E-C-H to that, it will walk you through an entire text bot that will collect your first name, your last name, your address, all those things to be able to ship you the book. And it's all managed and automated through our stack. And at the end of it, you'll be able to hit a a link, go be able to do some confirmation and Mm -hmm. you'll get a free copy of my book, right? It's super, super awesome. Um, But that's always a a fun way to help
0: people kind of see what you can really do with MarTech fantastic fantastic Dan I gotta say that that's probably the first time that somebody's done this on the show so you know thank you for thank you for that that was pretty refreshing <laughs> hey you, I'm the
1: only person that gets all the leads from all of the podcasts as well I get everybody's contact information because we have a text spot same thing goes for conferences you want to get mm-hmm. uh, you want to go speak at a conference and you want to be the person that gets all the leads yeah have everybody go to use your text bot. I get hundreds of leads when I go to conferences that nobody none of the other speakers get because I have I have a text system for it. Solve problems, have an objective, go solve that objective, right? Meet yeah. that my objective was how do I get leads from places where I can't have people fill out a form? Mm-hmm. Everybody has a phone, have them text it, they all want to test it, uh and now I solve my objective, which is I need more leads. Um yeah. so at the end of the day, the the book is a part of that, but uh I hope that's I hope that's a fun way for you to see how we match objectives. Yeah, back sure. to the tech that we
0: actually buy. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, Damagaw, thank you, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure, and you know, thanks for coming on and sharing your experience and your expertise with the listeners. So, take care, be safe, and um, stay in touch. Absolutely, thanks for having me. It's great to meet everybody. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B two B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.